0: This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The word of the Lord to which I direct your attention so that you might meditate upon it with me at this time is taken from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, He is able to help those who are being tempted. This is the word of our Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the one and only begotten Son of the Father, your brothers and sisters for whom he came to live and to die and to rise again. Checkmate. If you are a chess player, those are words that you dread to hear from your opponent. Checkmate means that your king is in a position where it can be attacked from all angles. There's no way out. There's no place for it to hide. There's no other pieces that can move to block the attack. He's done for. Game over. You lose. Checkmate. Shortly after the creation of the world a cosmic chess match began to play out. It began to play out as Satan led a legion of angels in a rebellion against God, and God crushed that rebellion. He banished Satan and all those who followed him from heaven, and he created a place called hell, a place of gloomy dungeons where Satan and all his followers would spend eternity. But Satan wasn't finished yet. He came to this earth, this earth that was pure, where Adam and Eve and everything that was in it lived in harmony together and in harmony with God because there was no sin. But Satan still wanted to strike back at God. And so he did so by planting seeds of doubt in the hearts of Adam and Eve. Did God really say? And Satan succeeded in turning our first parents, Adam and Eve, against God. The fruit of that forbidden tree between their teeth was proof of it. And that was Satan's checkmate. Aha! Now, Lord, you have to condemn Adam and Eve and all their descendants to gloomy dungeons with me. Because you yourself said it, O Lord, the soul who sins must die. You said, and the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And so if God, who says that he is just does not condemn Adam and Eve to eternal darkness with Satan. He denies himself, he becomes a liar, and he becomes evil just like Satan. On the other hand, if God is to be true to himself, then he must give up Adam and Eve, and for all eternity, while Satan is in the gloomy dungeons of hell, he will be able to claim their souls... As a trophy of victory against God. And human beings, Adam and Eve, you and me, would be left shuddering under slavery in the fear of death, knowing that the moment we breathe our last, we go to meet an angry judge who would banish us from all that is good and everything that is pleasant. In this world, as evil as it is, as painful as it is to live here, God's love is still coming to us and being poured out on us in many forms. The sun came up this morning. It's a form of God's love. It gives light. It gives warmth. In hell, there is only darkness. Today, you are gathered with friends and family for companionship and all kinds of joyful activities and good food. In hell, there is only loneliness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. And so you and I, with Satan's checkmate, would live in the fear of death all our lives, enslaved by it. Is there any way out? Game over? You lose? Well, not so fast. God still had a move in mind. God in his omniscience knew what Satan would do. He knew the moves that he would make. And God in his wisdom planned a strategy to overcome him. And this is God's brilliant strategic move I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is where God first announced his strategy to cancel Satan's checkmate against you and me. The writer to the Hebrews in our lesson puts some flesh on the bones of this skeleton of this first promise. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. And so the seed of the woman that God promised to Adam and Eve and the one who shares our humanity, according to the writer to the Hebrews, are the same person. It is... Jesus Christ. Both verses are speaking of the conception and the birth of Jesus as our Savior. And so God's plan was to have his eternally begotten Son take on human flesh to become one of us. The very one who designed the earth, the one who called it all into existence, is the one who would take into his divine person human nature. He would share your and my flesh and blood. And why? So that he could cleanse you and me of the scum and filth of our record of sin. Now, On the farm, your nose and your eyes can tell you from a safe distance when the chicken coop needs cleaning. But if you actually want to clean the chicken coop, you're going to end up wearing some of what you shovel. Brothers and sisters, in order to cleanse humanity of sin, of its filth, Jesus had to wear it. To wear all of it. To wear the guilt, to wear the shame to wear the pain. And God can't wear sin any more than an adult elephant can wear your shirt and your pants. Sin can't fit on God. And so Jesus, the eternal Son of God, wrapped himself in human flesh. He became one of us so that your sin and my sin might fit on him. And so at that tree of the knowledge of good and evil where Satan shouted his checkmate at God into the world, at another tree on a hill called Golgotha, God shouted to Satan, the victory is still mine. And that victory is now yours because what Jesus took from us was our sin, but what he gave to us was his righteousness, because the very one who also was able to fit our sin on himself was the one who was able to fit under the law of God, and everything that God says for you and me to do, Jesus did. God says, love me with all your heart. Jesus did that. You and I haven't. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. You haven't, I haven't. Jesus did And in your baptisms, the Lord Jesus has fit you in the robe of his righteousness. Because as a human being, what fit him now fits you. Satan's checkmate has been canceled by Christmas. And it is that wonderful gift of God that is now given to all the world, and it belongs to all who believe in Jesus Christ. but the game isn't over. You see, those who believe in Jesus receive the gift. Those who don't, don't have it. In John chapter 3, verse 18, we're told, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Satan knows and understands that only those who believe in Jesus Christ receive the victory of Jesus Christ. And so Satan has a move left, and that move is to destroy faith, to keep those who don't believe from believing and do what he can to cause those who do believe to let go of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so in your hearts and in my hearts, Satan once again Plants temptations. He tempts us to abuse God's promises by putting him to the test. God's protecting you. You don't need a seatbelt. God will provide. I don't need to look for a job. When we do sin and then suffer the consequences of it, Satan is whispering in your ear, see, if God really loved you, these bad things wouldn't be happening to you. You're so evil, you're so rotten, not even God cares about you anymore. And as he sprinkles the lies and half-truths into our hearts and minds, he desires to separate us from God and our trust in him. But there again is where we are blessed to have Jesus sharing our humanity For we are told, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So because Jesus had flesh and blood like you and I have, he knows what it feels like to be cold and hungry and tired. He understands the stresses of living in a world surrounded by sinful people. He knows But real pain is, and the desire to want to avoid pain. That's why he prayed like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if possible, let this cup be taken from me. Jesus also knows the allure of pleasures. But in every temptation that Satan put before Jesus, Jesus overcame. Now he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and from there he assists you and he assists me so that we too can overcome. And he assists us with the power of his word. When Satan whispers in your ear, not even God can forgive you, you are such a horrible, miserable human being. He says, well, as far as the east is from the west, so far have I removed your transgressions from you. When Satan tells you that you can abuse God's grace and mercy, Jesus says, watch out, lest you be led astray. And when we think that this life is never going to end and the misery is going to keep on coming, uh, our Lord Jesus gives us a glimpse of the glorious feast that awaits us as we stand before his altar and receive his body and blood. There, we're united with him in a special way and united with each other. And there, we have a special experience of the peace that he came to give us, a peace that we will fully experience when he comes again. Yes, Jesus is that high priest who has canceled everything that Satan brought into this world. He canceled your guilt. Through his word, he cancels your temptation. And in that way, he gives us an improbable victory. Some of you may remember about a year ago in January, the Minnesota Miracle. If you're a Viking fan, you can't forget it, right? Remember, it was the last play of the game. Case Keenum had dropped back for a pass with the final seconds ticking off of the clock. He released the deep pass... And it fell into the arms of Stefan Diggs, but it appeared that he was sure to be tackled because two defenders were right there to either bring him to the ground or push him out of bounds, and time would go off the clock. But the defender missed, and he ran into the end zone for a game-winning touchdown. What looked like sure defeat became an improbable victory. Brothers and sisters. That is just a small analogy of what has happened for you and me at Christmas. Satan turned the whole world against God, and God in his justice, according to his justice, must make somebody pay. Christ paid. You're free. And now you have life instead of death waiting for you. Now you have hope instead of dread. And that has changed everything for you and for me. And all of that adds up to a wondrous victory that surpasses anything else we can experience in this life. And so because Jesus shared our humanity and atoned for our sins, we are literally his brothers and sisters, aren't we? And you know what that makes you? Know what it makes me? It makes us daughters and sons of the Most High God. And that adds up to victory for God, an everlasting life for you and for me. What a gift. Merry Christmas. Amen.